you know, like I sort of start the seminar with that. It's like, my name's Jess Fraser and I'm good at jiu-jitsu. Like, I might not be good at life stuff, but I'm good at jiu-jitsu and I'm here to share that with you. Like, so, and I'm okay with it now. And I think that it's important for definitely the women in the room to hear me say that. Ladies and gentlemen. Hi, everybody. Good evening. Are you ready? Keep this frequency clear. I know you're going to dig this. I am. Okay, here we go. Check, check it out. You're listening to the Martial Arts Media Podcast, where you, the martial arts school owner, gets insider tips and secrets from leading experts to help you build a more profitable martial arts business. Now, here's your host, the founder of MartialArtsMedia.com, George Faree. You're listening to the audio version of the video interview for the Martial Arts Media Business Podcast that took place on martialartsmedia.com. For the full episode, to watch the video, to download the transcript and see all the pretty pictures, you can go to martialartsmedia.com forward slash 59. That's the numbers 59. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Hey, this is George Free and welcome to another Martial Arts Media Business Podcast. I have a repeat guest with me today, Jess Fraser. How are you doing today, Jess? I'm doing good. Welcome to my living room. <laughs> awesome. Welcome to my <laughs> semi-decorated office. <laughs> yeah. I was just saying, I, I had some banners too, but I feel like this is much more natural setting, you know? <laughs> exactly. Well, natural behind me would not look that natural, so <laughs> we'll just Funny. leave it at that. <laughs> well, welcome, welcome back to the show. So, I mean, it's it's been quite a journey. We mm. we 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 in the fifties. We I'm not sure where your this episode's going to lie in, in numbers, but the last time we spoke to you was episode thirteen. And if you want to mm. have a listen to that, martialartsmedia.com forward slash thirteen. And lots has happened in your jujitsu journey and your events and everything. So it's going to be great to catch up. And I do I do recall. The last time you, we spoke, you were a bit of a nomad. You were traveling the world, basically training in, living in different locations and, and doing yeah. all that. Um, so I guess that's a, perhaps a good point to, to start. Where, what's, what's changed? What's been happening in the life of Jess? Oh, wow. Um, heaps, you know, like I, uh, last time we spoke, I think, uh, was like, just over a year ago, so like sort of just before um, camp last year. Um, so that's what I do. I run Australian Girls in Gate, and each year I run a massive summer camp, so Australian summer being uh, January, February, or December, January, February. Um, and so last year it was in January, and this year it was in February. So I've just I've just finished another one. Um, so last time we spoke, we were heading into one, and I've done two since then. Um, so that's like a routine thing that I do every year. Um, and aside from that, again, I just, I like, I actually weirdly went back and traveled to the same places that I traveled to, I had just traveled to two years ago. So, um, yeah, I kind of revisited uh, Canada, America, went back to New York, trained at Marcelo's again, uh, saw Paul Schreiner, um, all that kind of stuff. So uh, the year was sort of a repeat, but in so many different ways. And definitely last time I spoke to you guys, um, and I like, I do invite you to listen to the other, the other podcast, the first one that we did. Cause it, like I did this morning just to 
to make sure that I wouldn't like totally repeat myself because I tend to, you know, <laughs> black belts get the same stories. They tell them over and over again and I've become one of them. So uh, I, yeah, I, um, last time I spoke, you know, I was using the language of like, you know, I'm 37 and I'm old and I'm broken and maybe competition is over for me. And I think that that sat in, in, my mind a lot um after we spoke but not because of how we spoke but just it was it was something that I was thinking about a lot at the time um and then I ran my camp and that was really exciting we had such a great time like the January camp last year and it was very successful and it was the last one that I will hold in Victoria so it was kind of a farewell to that um that campsite which was fun um and during that, like all of the the coaches that I'd hired, so there's some really elite women here, obviously, that are winning um, world championships and stuff uh, overseas. And I, of course, asked them to to come on board to showcase their 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 coaching and their information, their technique and stuff at camps every year. So um, during camp, all of those women went off to do the Abu Dhabi trials. So I was sort of like. I was in this like situation where I'd sort of become mum and the kids were going out to play and it was hard, you know, like I wasn't jealous, but it was just like, well, shit, like I really love jujitsu and I, I used to be a competitor and I wish I was there, but I'm doing this thing for the community and I value both really highly. And, you know, I, I sort of sat with that for a while of trying to be okay with that. Like, like my friends going away and winning the the trials and then then coming back and joining me and like I just wanted to sort of be them. I wanted to be able to like attend and compete and do everything and so um yeah, like a couple of weeks later I was in, I was asked to go up to Sydney to hope uh help Hope Douglas prepare for Compodio. So I'm a little bit bigger than her even though I'm smaller than her, <laughs> shorter, bigger. Um but you know, like I've got a really aggressive jiu-jitsu style so uh, I went up there and, and helped her out with um, with her prep for Copper Podio. And we're wrestling, you know, and I kind of I was like awake at 2 o'clock in the morning and like just thinking, but why am I retired? Like why have I done this if I'm totally able to help other people still prepare and I'm the go-to, um, let people pick up the phone to call me to, to go help them? Um, I just sort of had this feeling like a couple of things came together. Like years and years ago I used to be a smoker and um, – you know, my sister helped me quit by giving me this, like, one sentence that I clung to like a buoy in the ocean, you know, and it was, if you just don't have one more cigarette, like, if you just don't have the next one, you're just no longer a smoker. And that's how I quit, right? So I just never exactly had Exactly how I one. quit. <laughs> like, really? That's cool. <laughs> yeah, in my so, 20s, the, the thing was yeah. avoid the first cigarette. That was Just that one. Yeah. You don't have to, like, <laughs> climb the mountain, you know. You just have to, like, just avoid that that one that's coming. So... Um, yeah, I sort of realized that like, if I just don't do another comp, I'm retired. And it like, it, it was something is that like horror in the middle of the night that woke me up, you know? And I was just like, I just don't, I just don't want to be like, I just don't want to be yet, you know? So in the middle of the night, I, um, entered the Abu Dhabi trials and, um, I think that was, that was the Monday Monday morning at two o'clock in the morning and the trials were the next Sunday and I hadn't competed and I was pretty out of shape. Uh, I wasn't fully back from injury. I'd actually hurt the other bicep. Um, and then the next day I'm rolling with hope and she was asking me to do a certain guard pull because we knew that the, the woman that she was fighting would do that. And, um, I did it and I broke my toe, big toe. So I had a broken toe and I'd entered my first comp 
since like you know almost two years because of the injuries and stuff and um it was my first comp i think at black belt yeah it would have been so all sorts of stupidity in that 2 a.m um decision i came back to melbourne and was training with my coach um, martin gonzalez again um in at vanguard and like i said to him also I've, i've entered the abu dhabi trials and he was like why and i sort of i broke into tears and i was like because if i don't do another tournament i'm retired and you know and he was like just like you know and he was he was quite like honest with me he was just saying you know like i've seen the best jess fraser and currently you're not the best jess fraser you know like and i can get you to any tournament you want in the world but like you give me four days notice is not the coolest and you're injured you know and so I was all crying and like, oh, you don't believe in me. And he does believe in me. He was just like pretty hard to prepare for a comp in four days, you know. So we had four days to kind of get okay. Um, and basically my game plan, like all, all the other ladies like had just done like, you know, Megan had just done. Um, so she just fought Mackenzie Dern at um, the Japan Abu Dhabi Grand Slam. Um ended up in the final with her and then and I also was aware of uh, Kate Wilson going to be at the trials too so Kate Wilson was then a brown belt but is now a black belt um and she's incredible you know she's done really well internationally I think she came second at worlds as a brown belt and um yeah just generally a really good competitor like prolific competitor I see her all over the place Japan Open and that sort of stuff um so there was a bunch of women in the Abu Dhabi trials for me in Sydney because I'd missed the Melbourne one um, teaching camp, but there was a bunch of women that were going to be a problem, you know. They're really good. Like, they're winning international stuff. So uh, I sort of went into the Abu Dhabi trials using more strategy than I've ever used before. My style is very aggressive and requires a lot of athleticism, Um, and I knew I didn't have the gas tank for it. So we just prepared essentially mentally about how I was going to do things. And basically my coach um, said, look, you know, you need to get okay with the fact that you're not going to bash these people. You're not going to win perfectly. You just need to win the matches. So uh, I did exactly that. Um, And I won the trials, which was insane. Like it was just insane. Like you go into this tournament unprepared and, um, and it was a real risk for me emotionally and kind of ego wise, you know, like, because, I hadn't um, been dominated in matches in Australia before and uh, it was very, very real risk um, just uh, where I was at. And I think that I've, I had a played like I usually played, um, I, I would have got beat up pretty good. So uh, won the trials and then um, sought out the advice of uh, one of the guys. So I brought James Tomlinson to my camp last year. He's a strength and conditioning coach and also a black belt in jiu-jitsu. I brought him into the camp Um in Melbourne to advise women on cross training for for jiu-jitsu like cross training not like new gym like cross training strength and conditioning and longevity in the sport and um I thought okay well practice what you preach if you're going to tell the ladies to listen to him you should listen to him so I uh sought out his services and we started working immediately on preparing for Abu Dhabi um and straight away the things that he made me stop doing uh were some dietary things um but also uh he made like legitimately made me stop using the languaging of old and broken broken was the really big one that he was like yep no more we don't speak like that because you're not old and you're not broken and we're going to meddle at abu dhabi and i was a bit like 
whatever. I just want to turn up, you know, like I'm not retired anymore. I'm excited. So when I got to him, my right bicep was in trouble um, and the left bicep, the long head is actually missing. So um, I considered myself broken for sure. And he not only took me from injury to health, he took me beyond to the fittest I've ever been. Um, and that was quite a process. Uh, and then we went to Abu Dhabi and for, I, I would say for all of my jiu-jitsu career, I've been discussing myself, like I've been discussing sort of belts in a way. Um, like I think there's like the belt, you know, like there's the whole belt and there's like, say there's all the blue belts here and then there's a big gap and then there's the competitors, you know, they just feel different, but they're still blue belts. Like it's a, it's a weird thing. Like they're the top of that and they're kind of, a very different vibe to like the majority of blue belts, but they're not a purple belt. Like it's a, it's a, it's a weird thing. And all, all of my career, I've always, I've always said that I'm not here in the belt. I know I'm up here, but I think I'm the bottom internationally of this, you know, like, and people will go, Oh yeah, no, you're better than that. Believe in yourself, whatever. I'm feel like I'm very realistic in my self evaluation and I was pretty certain that that's where I was internationally um, at every belt rank, including black belt, you know. So uh, my job was not to win, but my job was to prove that to myself. So um, I was certain that I wouldn't even hit the podium um, and was terrified of allowing myself even to think that way, just mainly because I was scared of disappointment um, or having to redefine myself if I didn't. And that fear... Um, I think limits you in competition. You need to actually believe that you will win it and just uh, deal with the fact that you might be disappointed if you don't um, because a couple of tears is a lot better than um, limiting yourself, I think. So JT, uh, James Tomlinson that, that from Richmond Gym that, that really got me back into a better headspace, he was really on to me about this stuff and I'd never thought in this way before. So um he was very on to me with that. He was on to me about um, thinking in a positive way. So there's a lot of stuff that, like, I thought I was, like, a realist or whatever, you know, like, oh, no, like, I understand where I'm going to ca- come in, in the matches. And and he kind of got me outside of that head headspace, you know. But he also, like, the stuff that I sort of wrote off as, like, you know, just uh, motivational quotes, <laughs> like things like only positive vibes, you know, and – I now know how essential they are. Like, for me, there's only progress in joy, you know, and um, he helped me, like, move away from things that would make me feel really negative about myself or others and uh, just stop those things, you know. And, like, there was a lot of things that he was like, like, no more bad vibes, like, just no more bad vibes. Like, you've got to be happy, you know, and that just saw, like, literally saw me soaring, like, the fittest I've ever been, the best I've ever rolled. And I went to Abu Dhabi um, very prepared, like crazy prepared. I was prepared for 15-minute matches, you know, but it's Abu Dhabi's short matches, which is really suitable for somebody like me that's that's like really well into Masters 2 or something. I don't know, I'm 30, 38, 30, 39 now. So um, I went over in the adults division and um, I fought really well and then um, hit Tammy Musumichi in the semifinals um and I swept her which I don't know whether has been done yet you know like so there was that moment of like holy shit like oh my god (laughs) these people like they're exceptional and they're like they're kind of unbeatable but the techniques are beatable so 
if I can just get to my best spots, like I, if you apply them, they work, you know, and, but if she gets there, it works on me too, you know? So, uh, I swept her and then I made some bad decisions about where I went after that. Um, and she barambolo me. She's the best in the world at barambolo. She took my back and then choked me. Um, which, you know, I would love for that have not to have happened, but it, it was the first time that I realized that we could do this, like an, I can do this and it's totally possible. So the cool thing in, in Abu Dhabi, so she went on to the final the next day against, um, Bia, um, Skeeter. And so, you know, incredible athletes, like the best in the world. Um, and I just missed out. So, uh, the cool thing about Abu Dhabi is you go back into this, um, new division. They create a whole new division for anybody that didn't get through to those those two final spots. So you start a whole new comp and I ended up winning that. So my bronze medal wasn't like wasn't because I'd lost to somebody that won. I went into another comp and I won that little comp. And so that was on the that was on the big screen on the final day and stuff. So I got to be the first Australian black belt um to go on to the final day which was just the coolest thing you know like and so the difference between that i've been on that finals day before as a purple belt and it was televised and stuff and um i had a panic attack from the first foot trip (laughs) to the end of the match and it took me like a year to be able to watch the match because i was just so like overwhelmed by it it was very it was very overwhelming the cameras and all that kind of stuff but i'm so glad i had that experience at purple because then as a black belt i just enjoyed every second you know like not only did I think I was going to retire last year, I was, like, standing there, like, even even before the final day, you know, there was a moment where we're all standing in the dark with all the lights going and the drums going, and I was looking across and I could see Liv Glukowska, um waiting for her match and I could see Lockie Giles waiting for his match. And it was just like we were these, like, just terracotta armies standing in the dark, just like it was just the coolest thing. And then the music and the lights came up and then the refs all did this all at once and it was just, like, there was that moment where I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever done in my life. Like, this is awesome. And it was the first time in my life I enjoyed competition because it was just so cool. Like I've been terrified of competition and nervous and terrified of performance and all that kind of stuff in the past. But this thing was like just a celebration of all the years leading up and like just all of it, you know, everything put in and all the people that had helped me and stuff. And so I think that it really goes to show that like the joy really can bring the best out of you you know like so the final day was just awesome and like um cool things happened you know they announced me as Jess Fraser from New Zealand and that made me think instantly of like my best mate in New Zealand who's been on this whole journey with me uh Kirsty Matha and she'd she's just opened the first um gym in the South Island and I think in all of New Zealand to be owned by a woman owned and operated by a woman and that just like so instantly, as soon as they said it, Jess Fraser from New Zealand, like I was just in a great space, you know, like because I thought of all these people I love and I know they're with me and I knew that they'd be laughing watching the the, the live feed and it was just the coolest thing. And so uh, Lockie Giles uh, volunteered. He's from a different gym, you know, like we, we don't train together, but he's from the same city and he volunteered to be my coach from the sidelines. And and um, so I was out there with people from Oz and um, – yeah, and then I won that match and the bronze medal. And, uh, like, uh, if you've seen the video, it's just the happiest I've ever been in my life. And even talking about it now, it just, it's just it was just the coolest thing. <laughs> it was just the coolest thing. I can't even put it to words how great it was. So, um, and, it, and it validated for me, like, 
you know, like like I was talking about, like there's the black belts and then there's a gap and there's the competitors. And I am the bottom of that. Like, and I'm good with that. Like the girls that are the top of that, I look up to and, but I'm of them, you know, so it's just really validating and, and just, yeah, I'm really happy about all of it. Um, Liv Lukowska also won a bronze medal that weekend. And um, so we're the first, first we're, we're blazing trails. We did it blue belt and now we are at black belt. So that's a pretty cool thing. Um, and then uh, off the back of that, I like kept momentum going and I went to Worlds and did my first uh, black belt Worlds. And I lost first round, but again, it was just, I just had so much fun, you know, like I, I, there wasn't a whiff of nerves. It was just all about getting to like go roll with a woman that's real good at jujitsu and see what happens. And I dominated the match, but lost, um, lost some points and definitely it's a strategy problem for me. I just want to fight and have fun. And I like, I had reverted back to like, just like wrestling, you know? And I, I, um, yeah, I just couldn't get a hook when I was on, on her back and I could have been all right, but like, good on her for protecting it you know like so her strategy was better and I might have been a bit more aggressive but whatever um but I had a lot of fun and then um I decided to do no gear worlds um because I figured this was probably me peaking you know and and 38 and finally at black belt and I'd never done an international tournament um in no and uh, decided to do that mainly like that choice was mainly because I'm moving into coaching for sure and that's that's really where my future is um, and I feel like the sport is moving in a direction and I say the sport because I don't mean the martial arts side of it but the sport is kind of moving in a direction um, of nogi and a lot of the people coming to the sport um, have done so because of the UFC and uh, looking up things like Eddie Bravo's tournaments and there's money in those tournaments and people are interested in Nogi and I felt like I would limit myself as a coach if I didn't understand it more. Um, so I took the gi off for four months and uh, had probably the most challenging four months <laughs> I've had on the mat since Blue Belt, like really frustrating. Um, there was quite a few tears, like it really took me back to that space of, uh, getting my ego smashed, you know, because there's a bunch of guys that I can handle fine in a gi that I couldn't in no gi. So um, that was really difficult and challenging in so many ways. Preparing for a 10-minute match at the age of 38 or several 10-minute matches um, in no gi as well, like, ah, it's like <laughs> it's very physical, you know. So that was really hard. And I think that a lot of the um, fatigue um, really got to me as well. Like, didn't really help my like headspace revolt resolve. So, uh, prepared for that, and then went over in December. Um, and I did like kind of a a deload. Um, at uh, victory with Dean Lister and Jocko and stuff, and that was really cool. And Dean Lister is like one of the most giving people on the mat. Like, he just helped me out so much, and. And he could see that I was struggling with performance anxiety. And it was like, I think you should just put a gi on. Like, just come down here and have fun. Like, it's just the coolest thing to have this legend saying, just chill out, Jess. Like, don't worry about it. Like, it's just another match, you know. And so that really helped me. Um, he showed me some really cool stuff, made my game um, a bit more broad as well. And I'm working on that stuff now. And, um, yeah, and then I went and I took third again. So it's really proven to me that, like, there's some elite women and I just think that they're, like, crazy, crazy, crazy good. I'm hanging with them. I'm not beating them, but I'm there. And that 
in gi and no gi sort of proven in in a year that I thought I had retired. So I'm really happy. I'm like I couldn't be happier, and it's changed my view of myself and and what's possible in the sport. And yeah, yeah, it's been you, a big year since I saw you. <laughs> yeah. That's that's awesome. And you keep you yeah. keep referring back to the mind thing, like, um, mm. and and that's sort of the one you know. You're obviously capable of all the achievements that you've got, but every mm. there's this pattern that you keep talking about. You know, your mind's playing tricks on you, and you know you, mm. you're talking about you're broken, and you know you yeah. the age thing, and you know all this mental stuff going on. Yeah. So, do you find that being the hardest thing with just jujitsu and and everything in life, just really managing that mind, the mindset mm. to to actually take you to where you need to go. Yeah. Well, I mean, the hard thing is identifying it, you know. I didn't even know I was using that language. I had I had no right. idea I kept saying it. And I, lis- I listen back to the podcast and I, I hear it. And it, it's like it's shocking to me how often I did it. Um, and sometimes it takes, you know, like somebody on the outside to say, hey, like you, you really need to pull up on, on that stuff because it's not great. It's like, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm now – like I, I'm really moving as many people as I can away from things like white belt spaz. Like I'm just not into the language of it. Like we just use different language at our gym, you know, like don't be a potato. Like it's totally it's totally inclusive language and it helps um, not shame people um, and uh, just like bad language can be really powerful, you know. And I know that there's a heap of people that like, call me out for being PC police or like, oh, like you can't say anything these days. But it's powerful, you know? Like if I keep telling if I keep telling myself that like I'm a spaz, like what, what a horrible thing to say, you know, or somebody else is and just the way that we see ourselves, um, you know, you are what you repeat in behavior. <laughs> like yeah. and that you are you are what you practice, you know? Like so that's it's important that you practice positive uh, thought and and process if if you want to do well like that for me I've, I I feel like it's essential I couldn't have done what I did without like understanding that now yeah mm. I mean it's it, and it's the big balance right because you can't you can't just have the positive mindset and do squat on the back end but I mean I'm having mm. this I'm having this conversation mm, with with quite a few um, people in our martial arts media academy program which helps the school owners with the lead generation and so forth. And the, mm. the, the conversation is always going, the, the focus is always on failure. Uh, and, and it's just, a, you know, I've, I've spot the conversation with a few people. It's um, you know, a very negative outlook towards themselves and their results. And, yeah. and a real skewed version of, I guess, taking it very personally. Um, mm. very, very small obstacles, turning it into big things, and then reflecting that onto themselves for the failure. And, I mean, it's, it's really hard to get that message across but my message in simplicity was you know no one's ever been successful thinking of failure you can't be you can't be looking there and expecting to go there oh totally yeah it's two opposite sides of the the coin exactly years ago when i tried to play ice hockey (laughs) um a really simple statement from the coach is you've got to look where you want the puck to go not at the puck (laughs) you know so like it it that self-reflection, like, don't be the puck in front of you, you know, <laughs> look at the goals and that sort of stuff. And I, I really, like, I really used to write that stuff off. I think I, um, my cynicism or something uh, wouldn't allow 
me to let that in and uh, I see it now, you know, and it, it is powerful. It helps. Everything helps, you know. Like if the edge, if the difference between me and being in a final with these women, you know, potentially in the future if I could, um, if the difference is that, why not just try it? You know, like it's, exactly. it's just not going to hurt anything and it's not going to make you exhausted in any way, you know. Like it's not having to do sprints. It's it's like something that you can do without it being a cost to you or anyone else. And it, it worked for me. Like I don't know. Like might as well try, you know. Yeah. And yeah. Well, important that you also mentioned that you, you, you had sort of this fail-safe thing happening that you want to be realistic because you don't want to mm. be disappointed as well. So you, you don't want to put your – it's almost like you're holding yourself back, right? Because you don't want to put yourself Definitely. out there like in the mindset that I'm, I'm going to win this and I'm going to win this and then you mm. don't and then you're crushed afterwards. Yeah. But, but some people side, do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, some people do and I see like a lot of affirmations and stuff and, and like people writing that sort of stuff and that that's cool. Like whatever they need to do to get that positive um, thought patterning in um, of thinking as if they can win it, you know, like there's some people that are just like, I think that I am a winner. So, you know, and I believe, um, for me, uh, I'm not there yet. I don't know. I don't know how to think that way, but what I needed to do was just not block myself. And so, um, I'm thinking more in the way of it is possible for me. (laughs) It is possible if I do everything right, it, this is possible, you know, and and the way that like for some reason I think in Abu Dhabi I had this like it was like my ears equalizing like popping to like logic of like oh like I have fifty percent chance of winning this thing tomorrow like tomorrow when I go you know and this was even before the the final day but like I had like nerves going over or whatever and just going into the division I was like but one of us is going to win that match I just got to do everything in my power to make it be me. And if that's not enough, that's cool too, you know. Like, and so the first day of getting into the final or into the like kind of into the bronze medal match on the finals day, um, that's what like cleared it for me. It was like, oh wow, and it was like a real like real realization, and finally believed it and understood it. Of like, well, one of us is going to get what we want tomorrow. Just make it be you, you know. And then when I went to the finals day, which like, of course, you're trying to like trying to get some sleep and you're just like freaking out because it's the first time an Aussie's done it, you know, at black belt. And and the thing that I, like, I ended up finding my sister and just saying like I'm kind of terrified of letting myself think that it could be me, you know. Like and she was like, what? Just think that way, you know, just do it. Like well, allow it, you know. And I remember the moment of just like it was really emotional for me, you know. I was just like, oh, my God, like I might, I might actually get to have this. I might get – get to do something that I really wanted to do and it's okay that I think that way you know so um we we sort of get we sort of get told a lot to be humble in this sport and I think that I went like if there was like a grayscale of it I think I went so far the other way of like like never like I didn't want people to perceive me to be like cocky or whatever you know but now I realize like at some point you're gonna have to you're gonna have to think that you're good at this thing you know like and and now like I've like I really test myself like when I go and do seminars internationally. Um, you know, like I sort of start the seminar with that. It's like my name's Jess Fraser and I'm good at jiu-jitsu. Like I might not be good at life stuff, but I'm good at jiu-jitsu and I'm here to share that with you. Like so, and I'm okay with it now. And I think that it's important for definitely the women in the room to hear me say that. 
and to say it just as a fact, not as a like, like, woohoo, yay me or anything weird. It's just, this is a fact. I'm good at it. I've proved it, you know, and I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah. So that's like part of my thing, you know, is like I have to keep repeating that language. Yeah. Mm. So let's talk about your events because I, I was on your Facebook <laughs> profile and I'll include, I'll include this photo in the, in the transcript. Uh, with yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a picture of you with, how many people are at this event? I mean, <laughs> so it's 153 women, um, from all over Australia, New Zealand, Canada, Indonesia, uh, and Cambodia, um, and some international travelers that were already in Australia. So Germany and, uh, Switzerland and places like that. So, uh, they were lucky enough to get the timing right. Um, it's 153 women in a hall on an island that I, um, rented for us. Um, <laughs> so I booked a whole island this year, which an is island. Right, an okay. island. Yeah. So a whole island, um, and, it has no public access, so I had to charter a ferry um, for 153 people to get onto and uh, arrive at the camp. And so I've got some drone footage around um, that's floating around so you guys can see that if you want to have a look. Um, I'm still in the, the, the throes of editing a lot for announcing the next year's one. Um, but, yeah, I, I started those camps in 2011, so this was my eighth, uh, well, eight. 8.5. I did a mid-year camp that was a little smaller in Melbourne. Um, so yeah, that was my eighth one, and um, we had, we had, I think, and I'm not meant to call them staff because of like contracting laws and blah blah, but like think staff. I call them crew, right? So I had, <laughs> um, I had 20 crew this year. So we had four main coaches. We had something like 10 assistant coaches and they're women that have attended camps before and are elite athletes um, in Australia um, and from Hong Kong as well. Uh, so they're moving into the, the senior coaching roles. So the cool thing about that is creating employment for women within the sport. Um, and like, I'm not allowed to say employment, you know what I mean though, like, <laughs> like yeah. contract work. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, heaps of opportunities there. Those uh, opportunities you can apply for and stuff. Um, and uh, we now have somebody like that is full time contractor for running the merch store. So I've like outsourced stuff like that. So she ran that. A woman named Helena who is just a godsend. She's she's amazing. She does like the whole thing for me. Um, so she's she's actually working for Aggie now. Um, so that's really cool. Um, but yeah, 153 women on an island for three days. We caught the ferry out there, and um, then just heaps of tra like heaps of training and heaps of activities. So there's a lot of social activities uh, for people to just have a good time. And it, it's kind of like a this one was kind of like a music festival. There was so many crazy fun things to do and like costume parties and just cool stuff. Um, but a lot of training, you know. So people mainly see the photos of us like fooling around because those are the amusing ones, but there was something like 12 hours of contact with training over a three-day period. So it's it's a lot of training, um, but which so that means that we need a lot of downtime and like splashing around in a pool and that kind of stuff. So it was incredible. I think it's the first time that that's ever happened that somebody's um, yeah owned a whole island for jujitsu and like of course for women it was crazy. So 153 is pretty big, pretty big. I was very proud of that one. Real, a real success, yeah. 
Why is there no Australian guys in geese doing a <laughs> thing like well, this? Yeah, I mean, they it, this and this sort of like comes back to my like every year at camp, I set an intention um, that is of course flavored by where I'm at um, in my own journey, and I, I like to share that with people. I'm very open about about that sort of stuff. I I, I like them to see like truly who I am and my ideals and stuff. And, and if they're aligned with that, that's cool. And if they're not, that's cool too, you know. Um, and so uh, my over the last like two years, there's been quite a bit of um, backlash against like feminism just generally. Um, people think it's a dirty word or like a bad movement or something. And I don't think there's some confusion about what it is and what we're trying to do. And I think there's some confusion when it comes to Australian girls and gay and like guys going, well, that's sexist. And it's like, well, it's, it's sort of not. And like to help people understand that um, uh, is like kind of wrapped up in, in my my theme for the year. So every year I set a theme for the Aggie camp and we I try to get it to flavour the year ahead for all of the Australian Girls and Gay um, members. So in the past we've done things like um, like tackling comparison envy and just not um, comparing yourself to other women nor trying to drag them down as a way to balance that for yourself. You know, celebrating women, like, you know, one of our intentions was like become her biggest cheerleader and it's very easy, like once once you see somebody that you're jealous of, it's very easy to become her biggest fan and it actually eases it for you, you know. So we, we've, we've done that sort of thing, body acceptance. We've done um, learning how to learn, all this kind of stuff. And this year, uh, because like I've, I've people have been approaching me about this thing of like, well, but it's not fair, it's only for women and that shouldn't be allowed and that's not legal and all this kind of stuff. And, and it is and what we're doing is, um, celebrating the women that are already in the sport. So we're not saying that men, we don't want to be divisive or divisive, I don't know the word, in any way. I don't want to create a divide. I, like I truly don't want to. I, I don't do it in my own academy, so I don't want to take that into the community. But the idea is to celebrate the women that are already in the sport and to like encourage them to stay so they can like move into, like stay long enough to move into roles of leadership and and community development and all this kind of stuff, you know. So, and then make it truly an an equal sport. So, or a, like a, an inclusive sport, you know. So, the idea for me, like, um, I was just talking about the punk posters on my wall. Is like I started thinking about the riot girl movement of the 1990s, and Kathleen Hanna, who is uh, the lead singer of Bikini Kill, sort of started this thing called Riot Girl. And um, basically, you know, like at gigs. It wasn't about like making sure the men left or anything, but she did say this statement of just girls to the front. And she was like, I'm serious, guys, like girls to the front, like just bring them to the front. Let's just prioritize them within the community and then celebrate them. And that's cool. Like that's totally cool. We're not trying to create a divide. We're trying to create more celebration of people that are involved. And that's totally what AGIG is and it's totally what the camp was about. So I asked them I asked them to be those girls to the front this year and to fill the space, you know, and to create within the community. So I'm really asking of them rather than to just be participants to start creating, like start making jujitsu art, start like making montages, like learn how to be a videographer, learn how to be a coach, learn how to run a like a kid's event, you know. Like I think that like some people are a bit scared to, um, to take, take uh, up the space in in women's jiu-jitsu in Australia because they feel like a gig's a bit of a juggernaut but I'm like really sort of saying like 
but I want you to. Like, I want to attend an event, you know. Like, I don't do kids' camps or anything. I don't do that sort of stuff. Like, I, I focus on on adult women. Like, I'm celebrating the adult women that are in the, the sport because I want them to stay and I want them to foster the kids, you know. So, it like, foster, like, you know, foster their development or whatever. So, it it for me, like, that's what the flavor of this camp is. And, and it's really, it's really, um, well, that's what the theme of the camp was. And it, it the year ahead, I'm hoping that they're really inspired and they do this stuff. You know, like one of my mates just wrote a, a jiu-jitsu rap song um, and he's doing really well. That's JT, my, my strength coach, you know. So seeing that sort of stuff, like I just I just want more of it and I want more from the women, you know, because I don't believe that the community is set in stone with how it can and should be. I believe that it's a malleable thing and if we want a space that's all-inclusive, we have to create it uh, that way and, just simply being a participant doesn't change anything. Like you can't kind of, you know, be a participant. Sorry, my battery's just dying. You can't really. Um... Oh, are you there? Oh, sorry. Cool. Sorry, yeah. my battery cool. dying. Um, yeah, so you can't really be a participant and complain about um, how it's being run if you haven't offered up energy and alternatives. You know, so that's what I'm asking of the the community this year and to help explain to a lot of people what I'm trying to do like I, I really I just genuinely am am so excited about men in the sport as well but this just happens to be where I've focused for my my business you know and, and my life so um yeah like I think it's awesome range, yeah yeah that's <laughs> awesome you know like and so for me, the whole range, like even like the merch and stuff this year has a punk flavor to it and there's a reason for it. Like it's to remind the girls daily, like be a matte punk, you know, fill the space. And, you know, like back in the day we used to make uh, fanzines, you know, and I'm just not seeing that in in this community. Like I'd love to see more blogs and I'd love to see more podcasts and, and that sort of stuff. And that it be women, just not just always a male voice. And that's not to say that the male voice isn't, worthy and like totally exceptional you know like I, I totally see that you know but it's just I want I want more there's there's no it won't detract from men if we add it won't at all you know like so that's what I'm asking yeah. with Australian Girls and Gee you know mm. that's awesome I, I really I'm, I'm a big fan of what you're doing I think it's awesome for the sport I think you, you know like you 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 answer you, you give answers to questions that I would ask and I think that you know the the, your, your vision and creativity, it does a lot more good than it would do or any divide or any harm. You, you simply, you're simply making it okay for ladies to step up and do jiu-jitsu where they might not have felt comfortable in a dominant, you know, sure. in a male-dominated sport to do that. So just a for few sure. more questions for you. Um, so what's, where, where are we headed with Australian Girls in Gi and also which events are coming up, depending, of course, when uh, the listener listens to this to this yeah. podcast. But what what do you see happening in the in the near fu- near future? Um, well, some cool things have happened. I've um, I got like a lot of advice about moving forward. And last time I spoke to you, I was saying I try not to focus too much on the competitions. Um, and uh, I sat down with some mentors and. Um, we looked at like my strengths and weaknesses and just got really realistic about that. Um, and my strengths are definitely in community and like hands on, like physically rolling with people. Like I really, I, I love doing that and things like the competitions, um, were exhausting me and 
they weren't my forte, you know. Like we, we, I've always run good comps, but it's just not where my heart was. So I've actually um, taken on Hope Douglas, who is um, a brown belt in Sydney, and she's um, along with her partner Ari, they've taken the Australian Girls in Gear comps. So they've created a whole season. They do an Australia-wide tour in Brisbane, Melbourne, uh, Sydney, and Perth. So that autumn tour is coming up and, um, yeah, so it's like it's essentially a circuit for comps and I'll be looking at um, like kind of overall winners and, and rewarding that in, in a certain way from, from the community side of Australian Girls and Geese. So uh, that that's now her baby. It's sort of like it's it's got a lot to do with me because I sort of started it but it's now completely hers you know and she's running with it and where I'm really proud of that is not only um that Australian Girls and Gee offers tournaments for women uh so definitely girls and teens and and masters now we've got a masters division really get to um have matches with other women um it's it's been handed over to someone so I've also um created an opportunity for uh hope to be able to fund her overseas travel to go on to compete and that sort of stuff. Like I can't afford personally to sponsor her, but I can create that kind of opportunity. And, and she's really run with it. It looks, it looks incredible. She does a better job than I ever did. Um, and I'm just really happy about that. Like that's what I wanted is to create more opportunities for women. And um, I, I feel like if I tried to do it all, I was sort of getting in the way of that. So it's really nice to be able to uh, see that happen and flourish. So uh, she's doing that. There's all of those tournaments um, are on the Australian Girls and Gee website, which is just australiangirlsandgee.com, and also on our Facebook page. So the Facebook page has got all the events listed as Facebook events, and that's a really easy way to to keep up to date for that. So they're coming up. Um, I'm running things like the open mats in a bunch of different areas, but there's also um, some other women taking on the open mats too. So Gina Alvisi in Wollongong, uh, she's a black belt as well, and she's going to start running some open mats in the Illawarra um, under the banner of Australian Girls and Geese. So again, really like introducing her to the community and and sharing that one out, like outsourcing. Um, so I can really focus more on the camp. So the open mats I will do, um, like when where they're easy for me to do. Um, I'm going to try and do an East Coast series. I've just got like a whole bunch of gyms um, applying um, for or expressing their interest to host. So hopefully we'll work like from Cairns all the way down um, and do like a whole month of open mat series and some seminars. So what I do is I do an open mat in that area um, and use that essentially as a crowdsourcing fund, like a little pool of cash to afford me to be there. And then I usually spend a couple of private lessons with um, with the most senior woman there that's the leader in that area. So it's like a train-the-trainer um, kind of situation where, uh, like, the people that come to the open mats, it's like a $30 open mat, but say there's 30 of them, they then fund upskilling the local female leader, um, which just has a great on-flow effect. Um, and then once we've done that a couple of times, we sort of move her into a leadership role as well. So... Uh, for, from Australian Girls and Geese. So she might become an assistant coach at one of the camps or, or whatnot. So it really is sort of we've got like a process now that we can we can upskill everybody. Um, everybody gets something out of it and it, it's all positive um, and it all moves forward. So that's happening. But uh, I also I've just announced my first mixed camp, which is a really big deal and I'm absolutely terrified, but I have faith it will work. So I... 
you know, the girls um, at the camp, I was saying to them, I really need you to fill the space this year and, and, and be creative and do things that like feel uncomfortable because great things come out of it. And I felt like I couldn't do that, couldn't say that without um, doing that myself. So my mid-year camp in July that's held in Melbourne CBD uh, just next to the zoo there um, and is an on-site camp. Like you, there's accommodation and food and stuff. So it's more for people like, I mean, Melbourne people can come, but it's more for people to come down to Melbourne for a, a full-on like jiu-jitsu intensive camp. Um, so it will be mixed. It's available. It's open to like men, women, children, anyone that wants to come. Children obviously have to come with supervision. Um yeah, and but the idea behind that is that for every ticket sold to a male, there needs to be a ticket sold to a female. So I'm, I'm doing a 50-50 ratio just to keep that women to the front sort of theme going. Um, so it it's not just for men, but it's also not just for women. So it's for everybody, um, and that's my goal for that one. And it is a massive risk um, because I've never done it before, but, you know, I've got, to, I've got to try. And if it works, we'll keep doing it. And if it doesn't, okay, I tried, you know, like that's the whole point. Um, and so that's in July and I have booked the dates for the huge camp, um, the January or sorry, the summer camp for women only. Um, so that is like, all of this is on the, on the Facebook page. I'm still trying to build the website side of it because the website side of it is all the rego. So that'll go up shortly, but, um, the camp will be the weekend before Australia day in January. And it's at an even better venue. Like, like I, I don't want to give too much away because it's just so incredible. Like I just can't even get my head around it. Um, but yeah, that will be like last time we had an island. This time we have a gig beach. Like we have a like oh my! I, if you could see this thing, it's just it's so astounding, and I can't wait to release that to to everybody as news. But of course, I need to build up momentum for the mid-year camp before I kind of really push the, the camp next year. So that's happening. I've also got um, a camp in Bali, as I always do every year. So uh, mid-year camp, that's the first week of August, essentially. And that's one of those camps that, like, we all hang out together and we do everything together and we go surfing and stuff and we'll go and, like, celebrate down the, the, the bars and stuff um, and really uh, explore Bali but you organise your own accommodation um, and travel because it's just because everyone likes different tiers of, of travel. Like I, I personally just like to sort of have what I have here but over there, whereas other people are like, I'm in Bali, I'm going to live like like total pimp styles Like and other people are like, I want it to be as cheap as possible. So I just don't want to like – I don't want to make those decisions for people. So I, like at the moment it's just – it's a five-day uh, – well, six-day intensive training camp, so two hours a day with me. Plus, um, you can do any of the Bali and May classes, but I find that people are pretty exhausted. Um, and we'll just go through a whole series. Like, we'll do workshops every day, essentially looking not at, like, specific uh, technique, but it'll be, like, a submission series, a passing series, whatever, like, so more of a workshop around those ideas. And, and because it's a smaller group, that's more, like, kind of in the realm of 30 people, um, whereas the other camps are, like, over 100 uh, I can actually work, workshop ideas with people. So if I've got someone that turns up that only plays deep half and I've got somebody that only plays De La Hiva, we can actually just look at the concepts of guard in the workshop and then the next day concepts of passing and that sort of stuff so everybody benefits. Um, and that's much more like me, you know, that's really me coaching, whereas the the overnight stay camps is um, a broad range of elite coaches that, um, yeah, it, it, it's different. It, yeah, so it's more like like – 
they're more like sort of seminars or that all work together. Um, so the camps, like the way that the way that we structure it is we actually split the group into two um, and I will be moving into splitting the group into three just so we can get more people, well, less people on the map, <laughs> more people at camp. Um, but basically what happens is like so this year, for instance, um, I was teaching open guard passing uh, to one half of the room and Jean was teaching uh, open guard, you know, on the other side of the room. And so for 45 minutes or an hour, no, it's a lot, that's light. Hour and 15, you're doing the technique. So it's like sort of this group's doing this, this group's doing this. So for an hour and 15, and then we do 45 minutes of rolls and you have to roll someone from the other group. So you get to rep out what you've just learnt immediately. And then the, the next half of the day, we swap that. So you've actually learned both sides and you've got to rep it out. And that's, that's how the camps work. So people get a lot out of the camps because they're repeating so often the content, you know, like whereas a seminar, sometimes I find that you go to a seminar and it's like, oh, wow, that was awesome and you don't remember anything because you didn't get a chance to apply it. So the camps are really great for, for actual content, you know, and upping your skills. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. <laughs> well, Jess, it's been great catching up again. We're going to have to do this again in about, I don't know, 30, 40 episodes. <laughs> or, yeah. 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 Maybe, maybe, well, next, maybe early next hope- year. Yeah, well, hopefully next time we talk, I'll be like, wow, the like mixed camp was a total success. What an amazing thing. Yay, Australia. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, fingers cool. crossed on that one. I hope so. Yeah, I have faith, you know, like got to try. Mm. Awesome. Well, I'll have all the show notes on all the pictures and all the video footage and things on on this episode page. Um, just go to martialartsmedia.com and just look for the blog link or the podcast link and you can go from there. And if people want to get hold of you, jessfraser.com yeah that's me yeah or like any anywhere through australian girls and you can find me you know like if if i personally don't get the messages there's women that are moderating the groups that will pass it straight on to me if if you attention it to me um also anything that's koala jujitsu you know like so that that's an easy way to remember me and find me whether it's instagram or whatever Mm. fantastic awesome jess great catching up Thank you. you. See you. Awesome. Cheers. Awesome. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Jess Fraser, for coming on the show once again. If you are a martial arts school owner and you need help with your marketing, you need help with the technical stuff, uh, maybe a new website, and just really need to attract new students through online media, then you can speak to us. Uh, You can get hold of us on martialartsmedia.com or visit martialartsmedia.academy, which is our coaching program where we help you with your marketing. Not so much as just show you how to do it, but help you when you get stuck, which is, I guess, where the the big thing, right? I mean, it's one thing to learn the strategies of, of how to attract new students, but it's when you apply them that people tend to get stuck with with the application and you perhaps you need a bit of a sounding board to guide you through that. So if that's you and you need help, reach us, reach out to us at martialartsmedia.com or visit us at martialartsmedia.academy and you can apply for our coaching program right there. Awesome, great interview lined up for you again next week. Speak to you then. Transcript and full video on this of this episode again is at martialartsmedia, martialartsmedia.com forward slash 59. Thanks, speak soon. Cheers. That will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening. If you need help building your martial arts school, check out martialartsmedia.com.